0: Okay, so I am not with you this morning in person. It's, it's a disappointment to not be with with you in person, but uh, we're pre-recording this because my wife and daughter Dana and Nina have COVID, and I have to quarantine, so we can't do this with everyone here. So this is pre-recorded, and um, but I I, I feel um, I want to feel connected to you with what I have to say. This is the third and final Sunday in a series on unity. The unity of believers with Christ and with each other is a powerful witness to the world. Jesus prayed for the unity of the church so that the world may know Jesus. I will be talking in regards to bearing one another's burdens. And then Evan will follow up and wrap up our series. Bearing one another's burdens. In this world, we have troubles, and plenty of them. We worry. We grieve. We struggle with anxiety. We sin. We stumble. We get angry. We have troubles. The list goes on and on. It's not fun. We're burdened. There's a lot of weight on our shoulders. And when the load weighs us down, we can become discouraged. We can be troubled. And the world out there, there is much in the way of relief, maybe some distractions and diversions. But this is one of the reasons why Christ prayed for his church to be unified. That is exactly why the church is so important. It is our duty and it's our privilege as believers to help bear one another's burdens. When someone struggles and stumbles, we can help them carry the load. We bear the burden for them. We pick them up. Every follower of Christ should be on the lookout for brothers and sisters with a burden that we can bear for them. We can carry their weight. Listen to Galatians, the first uh, two verses of, of the sixth chapter. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, and transgression is wrongdoing or sin. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 2 again says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It simply states a command. Bear one another's burdens. And what is a burden? We think of, at least I think of, a beast of burden, a donkey, carrying a heavy load and donkey, unbelievable loads, I guess, but. Um, so that's kind of a word picture of, of a burden. But we're talking about people now. We're not talking about donkeys. We're talking about people. So picture with me, if you will, uh, a, a brother who is carrying a heavy load on his back. Maybe it's a load of brick or, you know, let's just go with brick. And it's heavy. And he's struggling. And his back is aching. It's burning. He's sweating profusely. His feet are aching. Even his knees have uh, are bloodied from stumbling a few times. And I see my brother, and I say, hey, brother, let me take for you. Let me take some of that weight off your back. And I take some of that weight, and I put it on my back. And, and, and I've got some water with me. I give him some water. He's thirsty. And I wipe his forehead, all that sweat. And uh, and in fact, I say, why don't you just sit down here under the shade tree. Let's take a little break. Because I'm going to help you carry. We're going to move faster. So we've got some extra time now to take a break and sit under the shade tree. That's a burden. And that's someone starting to carry the burden for them. It's a beautiful thing. It's simple to understand. If your brother or sister is in need, help them. It's not a complicated concept to understand care them bearing one another's burdens is easy simply show love it's easy to understand I should say now we're not usually talking about an actual weight like the bricks I described on the guy's back although it could be that could be an actual burden like that a, a weight but usually in our culture we're talking about other things maybe physical ailments or disabilities, sin, some of us are carrying a burden of sin, spiritual struggles, emotional pain, worry, anxiety, depression, anger. But we're here as a church, and I wish I was with you today, but I'm not, but we're, figuratively we're here as a church, and that's a community. So what does this have to do with community and bearing burdens? Um, In Acts, we often look at Acts when we think about community. And so let me read Acts 2, 44 through 47. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. So here's community, people sharing things together, living together, and undoubtedly bearing each other's burdens in all of that because some of those that had more uh, physical blessings were sharing it with the others. So that right there is bearing a burden. It's exciting that I see this happening at Northfield. I think that's really cool. I love that. I see people looking out for each other. And isn't it neat when people are more important than stuff or people are more important than our schedules? That is really cool. And I encourage you with that. It's, it's a simple concept to understand, but it's not always so easy to do. It's simple to understand, but it's not always so easy to do. However, it's a sacrifice that God honors. When one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. When one carries another's burdens, we all benefit. We all need to look out for each other. When we bear one another's burdens, relationships are created. They're deepened. They're strengthened in Christ Jesus. And that reflects Christ's love to the community around us when they see that. A healthy community of Christ followers walk by spirit not by flesh so that the world may know Jesus here at Northfield I encourage you do not be invisible get involved participate develop relationships so that you can be a part of bearing someone's burden or maybe you're the recipient of someone bearing your burden if you see someone about ready to stumble over a cliff. Let's just say you're at Starved Rock State Park, and someone's accidentally, they're, just, they're distracted or they're taking a picture or whatever. They're about ready to stumble over a cliff. You're going to do something, aren't you? You're going to yell at them. You're going to do whatever you can to help that person not stumble over the cliff. <clears throat> if you are aware of one of your brothers or sisters who's about ready to stumble over a cliff, And I'm not talking about a physical cliff now. I'm talking about maybe something like sin or some sort of a burden of circumstance. Something's coming down the pike. Reach out. Don't let them fall over the cliff. Reach out. Remember, Galatians 6 says to do that, though, with a spirit of gentleness and humility. But reach out. Don't sit idly by these pews knowing that someone else is doing something very wrong or something very wrong is about to happen to them. Reach out. And sometimes it's awkward. In our culture, we, we have our, our own families. We have our own uh, things that we deal with. Uh, so it can be a little awkward. It doesn't matter. Awkward is, is overblown. Big deal. If it's awkward, it's awkward. Do it anyway. Reach out. Get involved. Pray about that. Pray that the Holy Spirit is leading you in that direction. Back in the 1500s, Martin Luther said this: "If there is anything in us, it is not our own. It is a gift of God, but as a gift of God, then I must serve others with it, not myself. and my learning is not my own. It belongs to the unlearned. and my wisdom belongs to the foolish. My power belongs to the oppressed. So my wealth belongs to the poor, my righteousness to sinners, just as if we are clothed with someone else's garments. You know, Jesus Christ clothed us. And we can help clothe others. We can bear their burdens. And burden bearing involves a lot more than just gentle correction. It also is sharing stresses and sorrows, sharing Don't laugh at me. This is a childish story, but I want to read a little Winnie the Pooh and Piglet story, all right? So bear with me. They did understand burden bearing, or at least the writer did. Today was a difficult day, said Pooh. There was a pause. Do you want to talk about it, asked Piglet. No said Pooh after a bit. No, I don't I don't think so. That's okay, said Piglet. And he came and he sat beside his friend. What are you doing? asked Pooh. Nothing really, said Piglet. Only I know what difficult days are like. I quite often don't feel like talking about it on my difficult days either. But goodness, continued Piglet. Difficult days are so much easier when you know you've got someone there for you. And I'll always be here for you, Pooh. And as Pooh sat there, working through in his head his difficult day, while the solid, reliable piglet sat next to him quietly, swinging his little legs, Pooh thought that his best friend had never been more right. Difficult days are easier, much easier, when someone is there to share it with you. And today, right now, some of you in this room, and I wish I was there with you in person to look in your eyes, but um, some of you in this room are in hard places. Some of you are very stressed. Difficult days. You're worried, anxious, you're burdened. Maybe it has to do with finances, maybe your marriage, work, health. Some of you are toying with the idea of stepping into a sinful choice. This is all stuff that's happening right now as you're listening to my words, and I hope that the Holy Spirit is convinced to to do something about it, whether it's it's a, a burden of sin or whether it's a burden of just circumstances. Reach out, open up, talk to someone. Make that decision right now while you're sitting there, because you know what happens when you get out to your car? You leave, and you put it behind you, and it's gone. And I'll guarantee you, there are many people in this room with you right now who would be glad to bear your burden. And it's no big deal, even though it might be awkward. Just do it. That's why it's so important to share your life with people. Live in community and engage in conversations so that the rest of us have a clue with each other's lives. We have to talk. We have to be involved with each other. Jesus lived this way. Um, Many of you know the story of of Lazarus. Jesus had a friend, Lazarus. Lazarus had a couple of uh, sisters, uh, Mary and Martha. And um, and these girls were also friends of Jesus. And Lazarus dies. And the girls had hoped that Jesus would come and heal him. And Jesus arrived late. He arrived days late. And Lazarus is dead. Um, they were sad, obviously. They were crying. This arrives, and they they said, Jesus, if you had been here, maybe you would have saved him. And uh, Jesus had already known and decided he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was going to heal Lazarus, and all this crying business would be over. This was nothing to mourn about, but the community there was mourning. And so did Jesus go and tell them all, hey, chill out, people, for crying out loud. I've got this. He didn't do that. What did he do? He wept. He wept with them. He cried. Because they were crying, he felt their pain. Dana and I have been very blessed by a lot of you in this room. Bearing our burdens. Whether it's sitting with us, crying with us, praying with us over issues like parenting or marriage. And it's a blessing. It's a huge, huge blessing. It's not always easy. It'd be easier to walk away. It'd be easier to say everything's okay. Also, about 11 months ago, we had a fire at our place of business. And I hope this picture is, is up there now as I'm speaking. But uh, there's a picture of the fire. And I, was in, I got the call while I was in North Pekin. And by the time I got to Tremont, there was quite a crowd already gathered bearing my burden. And the first two people to meet me was my wife and daughter. And here's the picture of them. I hope it's up there too, uh, embracing me because I was shaking so bad I'm not sure I could have stood up under my own weight. It was very hard. And here's another picture of some of my friends bearing my burdens as they're carrying stuff just before it completely burned up, saving a bunch of stuff, bearing my burdens. And it was cold and nasty that night. everything I was soaking wet, overspray from the fire trucks, or it had been raining or snowing, I don't recall. (laughs) I know it snowed the next day. I don't remember if it snowed that night. But it was miserable. And I got home, I was freezing. I had had to spend extra time there with the fire marshal as we filled out reports and stuff. I got home, and, and there was a couple dozen people in my house waiting for me just to be there they didn't say anything. they were friendly and it's it's a lot of you guys but it felt good it felt good to see faces and that that continued for weeks as people continued to help us people many of you right here people helped us paint people helped us clean out stuff people helped us throw away garbage people lent us Computers and tables and chairs and desks, and uh, the list goes on. People brought us food. People were bearing our burdens, and that went on for weeks, maybe even months. You don't need a head full of knowledge, just a loving heart. Sometimes it will be messy. But staying separate and removed from those around you and their burdens, that's just simply against the teaching of God's Word. Get involved. Do not stay out of the fray. When bearing burdens, be wise and discerning. Ask a lot of questions. Don't give a boatload of advice. Be like Piglet and just do a lot of listening. Also, consider the story about Job and his friends. A lot of you know that story. Job was under attack from a boatload of afflictions and trials, and some of his friends came, and they sat with him, and they did pretty good at first. They sat with him, and they were his friends. They just did that, but over time, they kind of lost sight of that, and they became a little bit judgmental, and they were trying to figure out why in the world Job had all these afflictions and all these trials, and maybe he had done something wrong, and this is why God is punishing him, and you should do this, Job, or you should do that, Job. So they didn't end real well. So we don't want to be like that. And those of us who receive burden bearing, accept it graciously. Too often, we have the attitude that, oh, I I can't accept that. No, I'm fine. Or our pride takes over and we, we reject the offer. The person that is coming to us to bear our burdens, they want to do that. They want to do that. And they are going to receive a blessing from doing that. So don't reject them. Let them, let them bear your burdens. The unity of believers with Christ and with, with each other is a powerful witness to the world. Let's do this. We can do this thing. I want to talk for just a minute about disunity. We've been talking about unity. It sounds really good. Disunity sounds ugly. I hate the word. Disunity is dealt a death blow when we believers bear the burdens of each other, regardless of our positions in our culture or in life, whether it's political differences or socioeconomical differences, generational differences, old guys versus young guys, racial differences, Disunity is dealt a death blow when believers bear burdens for one another. Thank you, and Evan will be up now.
1: Good morning. I'm actually excited about being here today. But I know that some of you are a bit distracted today, so the score in the Illinois game <laughs> at present, I'm sorry, Loyola's beaten Illinois 28 to 16 so far. Anyway, on a more serious note, so I've been practicing and reading and Preparing this message for several weeks. And um, had it all prepared. Probably read through it 25 times. I don't know. Lost track. And this morning about quarter of five or so. The Lord woke me up. And immediately this message came to my mind. And I sensed the Lord say, change it. And immediately my eyes went. And I got up right away, and I went to the living room, sat down on the couch, got out a pad of paper, and I just started writing as fast as I could, everything that came to mind. And then I went to the computer, and I deleted sections of my message, and put this other part back in, typed it all up, and looked at it. (sighs) Yep, that's right. It wasn't quite right before, but I feel so good about it this morning. So, this morning, Intended for Unity. Here we are at the final part of our Intended for Unity series. And this is the part that we are calling Unity Through Encouragement. There's a lot more we could have said about unity. We have by no means covered it all. messages have been a blessing to you and you have and that you have felt encouraged so let's think for a minute how united are we in Christ and with each other if people outside of our congregation were asked does northfield feel like a welcoming encouraging place that they would want to be a part of what would they say Would they recognize that we are a body of believers where all five generations represented here are included and valued? And you can Google that if you want to check on the five generations. (laughs) Most importantly, do we live our lives so that the world may know Jesus? How well do we all look to God for His direction? In a basketball game like today, the coach is watching his team play the game. He's watching to see if they are following his instructions. He's watching them to see if they are getting frustrated or tired. And if he sees that they're not working together, he might call a timeout. He knows that in order to accomplish their goal, they need to work together. Sometimes, like a tense, close-game situation, we can start competing with with each other rather than working together. We all have our own ideas, our own preferences, and our own opinions. And depending on our worldview and our information sources, we can develop an us-against-them mindset, even in the church even in our own team. Sometimes we get frustrated and we might think we would be happy if all the people we disagreed with would just go away, leaving only those of us who agree together. But who would be left? <laughs> but would that really be unity? How could, be more, how could we be more unified so that the world may know Jesus? Christ intended us to be one, even though we're not all the same, we're not all in the same place in how we understand and relate to God and to others. But God takes us where we are, and He challenges us to grow in our relationships with Him and with others. In this series that we have been encouraged to look at several different excuse me in several different ways. Don taught us, for the believer, God has adopted us into his family. Tim reminded us that we are part of a body. Every part has an important role to play. Matt showed us that the importance of maintaining unity is taking care of each other. Bill taught that sometimes to be unified, we need to do hard things, like speaking the truth in love, confronting an offense, in order to obtain unity. And Dale showed us, as you just saw, showing uh, that bearing one another's helps brothers and sisters walk through trials. In my preparations for this sermon, I was reading from John 15, and I noticed a comparison to our series in John 17. So I'd like to read some verses. I'm going to start off with John 15, And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you are in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you love one another. Now going back to the top. Notice in verse 9 how it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're they're all in unity together as one God. And what that says in these verses, As the Father loved me, God loves himself. And then it follows up by saying, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now think about that for just a minute. God loves you as much as he loves himself. I don't even know how to expound on that. I don't even know how to explain that. I don't even know where to go with it from there. But just think about that. God loves you as much as he loves himself. I hope that would encourage you to be united more with the Father. And I hope that would also encourage you to want the world To know Jesus. With that John passage as a background. Thinking how much the Father loves you. And has chosen you. Let's compare our text in John 17. This is Jesus' prayer to the Father for his disciples and for us. So let's start in verse 20. This has been our unity passage uh, verses that we've been reading. and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Unity is important to Christ. He mentions it four times in his prayer that we would be one. So whose responsibility is it to make this happen? Is it our responsibility? Do we just harder? Is it Christ's responsibility? Does Jesus just need to make us one? Could it be that we need to be listening and praying and obeying the Holy Spirit's promptings and let him do it through us? Unity takes effort and dependency on Christ. I like Tim's example uh, of the triangle that he shared with us two weeks ago. That when we get closer to God, we get closer to each other. When we get closer to each other, we get to know each other. But what happens if the triangle gets turned upside down? Then we are divided, and we grow apart, and we miss what God has for us. A while back, I listened to an interview that was done with former President Obama, and he was asked about the sharp differences between the left and the right in our nation, and what he thought we should do about it. He gave an interesting answer. He said, as long as the two sides only associate with people whom they agree with, there will not be unity in our nation. The two sides need to talk, and they're not talking. Now, I'm not suggesting that we compromise the truth. I'm not suggesting that we compromise the gospel or any moral issue. But to talk with people to find out where they're coming from would help us understand better why they feel so strongly about what they believe. So what's some practical ways that we can encourage unity? Oftentimes, after we have exhausted all of our options, we might say, "Well, I guess all we can do is pray." But we need to learn that that is actually the main thing we can do: is pray. Pray that the Lord would show us ways that we can encourage unity and oneness with people around us. Pray for unity among leaders. Government leaders, church leaders, pray that God would impart wisdom to them so that they would know how to promote unity. Also in our prayers, we should ask the Lord if there are things that we have done or are presently doing to cause division. And if there are some of those things, we need to repent of those. What's some practical things we could do to encourage unity in our church? Well, and participate in a life group where you can share concerns and pray for each other and listen to the other's point of view. It's a great place for the different generations to listen to each other. Another thing we could do is pray for and support single parents who carry the load by themselves, help to bear their burdens. Listen to them and encourage them in their walk with Christ. How about some practical ways we can encourage unity in marriages? One way marriages can grow stronger is through prayer. Husbands, I'm going to give you a challenge today. If you're not already doing this, pray with your wife before you go to sleep at night. I know you might be afraid to try it, Oftentimes, women are better communicators than men, and we can be intimidated by that sometimes. But start out with two to five minutes. Eventually, you'll pray longer. Don't start trying a 20-minute prayer. You'll get discouraged, and you'll give up. Start small and work your way up. My wife and I pray together. But not every night. It's about five times a week, depending on what's going on. It was hard for me at first, but now it's much easier. And wives, if your husband will try it, support him in his efforts, even if he falls asleep in the middle of his prayers like I do. I think sometimes a guy can get discouraged if he doesn't feel like he's doing it just right. So what are some ways that we can encourage unity in our world? Go beyond what's comfortable. Last year, the barbering my hair for the last 33 years retired. And when I found out he was retiring, I wondered what I was going to do. I prayed about it and it seemed like the Lord was challenging me to step out of what was comfortable and go somewhere where I could try to experience relating to someone who was experiencing life differently than me. So last year, I started going to to a new barber, a black man. When I walk into this barber shop, I feel a little bit out of place. It feels like Everybody's looking at me when I walk in. I'm getting a little bit of a taste of what it feels like to be in a minority. It's a little bit awkward, but actually I'm enjoying it. I feel like it's a way to try to understand others more, listen to their conversations, and seeing life from their perspective. So as I close this message today and we close our series, I just want to ask you a couple things. What can we do so that the world may know Jesus? That would be a prayer. Ask God to show you how you can be an encourager. Or like Dale said, bear each other's burdens or any of the other things that we mentioned in the Unity series. Next, Do you need encouragement today? Have someone pray with you today before you leave. Don't go home discouraged. And lastly, could it be that today is your day? Is Christ speaking to you, reminding you that he loves you and that he has chosen you? Is it time to recommit or possibly commit your life for the first time to Christ today? I would like to challenge you to come to him today. If there's anything that we can pray with you about, Matt will be in the office, I'll be up here, the other elders will be around. Let us pray with you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your desire is for us to be one. And you prepared the way. You are the example. You are the one who shows us how that can actually be done. And Lord, in those places where we have not been unified, where we have been divisive, we pray that you would forgive us. We pray, Lord, that you would guide us to, to be more unified and to, to be open to others in our world beyond ourselves. Help us to consider the needs of others and help us to look for ways that we can serve you. So we pray that you would just go with us as we leave this place and we commit this day to you. In Jesus' name, amen.